This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 565 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Bait Saddles. On tonight's show, we have a plethora of guests. U.S. team rider Olivia Lagoy-Welts gives us her pandemic update. We're happy to have Lendon Gray join us. We will interview author Sandra Beaulieu about her book on how to create a great freestyle. And Patty Mayer is back for a discussion all about third level. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. How's it going this week? Uh, did uh, somebody tell me it's your birthday? <laughs> yes. Happy birthday, Phil. <laughs> Happy birthday. Pandemic birthday. Andrew Pandemic with birthday us. Is, is not that much fun. I'm going to tell you that. Well, you said there's a package that arrived, so I am okay. dying to know what's in your package. So, but happy birthday. Seriously. Cheers. Uh, cheers. Actually, I'm out of cheers. Cheers. Yeah. You know, it. there's, there's lots of positive things, you yeah. know, uh, you know, still ha- happy and healthy and my family is doing well and I, the horses are doing well. And I mean, there's some good news, right? Yeah, yeah, there's lots of good news. Exactly. And you're back you're back riding again, right? You're out of yep. you're out of some riding. Doing doing some workouts still. Yeah. How was your workout going, get, Phil? Starting to get, yeah, we started with first week. I was like, all right, I can manage this. And then second week <laughs> I was getting real. You know, I got some I got a few nasty text messages. <laughs> I am not, the person oh, no. shall remain nameless, but it was it was along the lines of how much she hated me. I was like, oh good, it's working. But, <laughs> no, it, actually, um, everybody who's who's playing along with us or you don't know what we're talking about, we are as a community uh, doing the dressage rider training from Nicola Smith in uh, New Zealand, and we're on week two. This is a twelve week journey. We're all on it together, um, and yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I was doing my doing my core the other day. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I discovered something. What? I can't squat. Oh, yeah, it's harder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I was like, really? I, yeah, I'm talking to Nicola. You know, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm doing the workouts. <laughs> I'm talking to, to Nicola. I'm talking to Nicola, and then she's like, and then you just do this, and I'm like, <laughs> I've never tried to do that. First of all, let's give it a go, and I like fell over. I love it. You but, called Nicola on a squat. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Nicola. Like, she deals with all of us. And she's just like, and you could practice this while you put on polos. I'm like, I'm not going to practice this while <laughs> oh, doing Oh, polos. you were doing the Hindu squat. You're doing the real low one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. I, that's, that's what she did. She's just like, and you just do yes, this. And that like, one is tough. I don't, if anybody knows what we're talking about, you literally are like way low. And uh, it took me a long time to do that one because I have, well, I have a bad knee. So I had to yeah, be real careful knee, yeah. in the beginning. Probably and Nicola, she's great. Like she gives you like different levels. And she's like, yeah, if, the you same way. if you can't quite get down, I'm like, this is as far I go, Nicola. This is it. And it's really a sad thing at the moment. But <laughs> well, we were talking to her on the video. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't call her. 
Like, no, I didn't call. No, I didn't call her. I, you have to have. <laughs> oh, I talk to Nicola all the time, and it's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, so so Nicola was, is. is uh, I was. I was like, oh, okay. I can't do that. I can, we should work on yeah. that. Okay, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's my experience. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's going well for you too. I yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. No, that one's a tough one. Yeah. No, I I've done it before, so I kind of have a fairly decent. You got idea a way head start. Yeah, yeah, I've done I've done DRT one and two and 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 I didn't I got hurt when I was doing three so I got bucked off so I had to stop and that, that one's hard uh, so I get it so I, I I'm right there with you but I knew what was coming <laughs> that's the, you kind of like know what's coming and I don't know if that's good or bad but yeah. yeah but for everybody who's playing along with us seriously send Phil and I emails we think they're funny um, like I said my my students that are doing it with me did not send nice ones this week so <laughs> but we we love it so yeah it's it's part of part of the fun being in a pandemic trying to do things together and um yeah here in kentucky today is a nice day but it's supposed to snow here tomorrow so yeah. it's, it's gonna be here really too the, we- the weather's not helping out yeah no tomorrow it's supposed to snow it's may like why is it snowing so that's really <laughs> tough but today it's sunny it's really beautiful it's really green mm. here and, and we had derby over the weekend that was that was really sad for us. Um, we had a, we had a zoom call with a bunch of friends and that was fun, but okay. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah, it just wasn't the same. So, but we hope everyone's doing well and, uh, you are staying positive wherever you are. And if you're able to ride, you're really working on those basics. Uh, we have a great conversation with Lyndon gray, uh, and we have a really actually a fairly long show and we're really proud it's a of big the show. show. We, big we're show. happy so to we're be gonna... able to get a bunch of guests on, on our program because, you know, a lot of people are sitting at home and not running around, you know, just like you and I. So, um, we were able to grab people and we're like, okay, well, we're just going to do some, maybe some extra long shows and have extra guests and, 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 you know, do our best to, to bring some entertainment to our listeners. Exactly. So we hope you enjoy the show. We're going to get started right after this commercial break from USDF. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight, it is truly an honor to have Lyndon Gray on our program. She really doesn't need an introduction. She's an international rider and trainer. And Lyndon, we're so happy to have you on the show. Well, thanks, Reese. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I know. I, I We were saying, you know, right now during the pandemic, uh, normally we could never get you. You're so busy in Florida and in New York. So this is a bonus for us, for sure, to get you on the show. Well, I wish I had more to do, but... Uh... I'm hiding out in New York at the moment. <laughs> well, that that's a good thing. Um, and we wanted to talk because you really, you've started Dressage for Kids and Teachers for Training and the WIT program in, in Florida. And you really are such a great person because yesterday it was announced that the North American Youth Championships has been canceled for this year. And I mm-hmm. saw a lot of sad faces on Facebook. Can you kind of... Talk to us a little bit about that and how we can keep everyone's spirits up. This one was a tough one for me, too. I was sad. Well, it's for those who have been gearing their year, their years, to uh, try to get to the North American Championships. It's a huge disappointment. But 
I look at it as a wonderful opportunity to step back a little bit and really go over what you're doing with your horse, what one is doing with one's horse, what what the training is, perhaps back off a little bit of the pressure for those people who have, have been able to ride regularly, um, and step back and fill in the little blanks. I mean, we all know that when we're competing and, and uh, getting ready to compete, we're often sort of covering up a problem, making it work, making it look right. And um, now we have a chance to step back and just take your horse out the next day and do basic walk, trot, and canter and see how truly, truly correct everything in is. Is the horse honestly reaching down to the bit or is the rider pulling him together? Is he, is the rider able to keep the leg quiet because the horse is truly in front of the leg and the rider's not having to kind of kicky, kicky, kicky to keep him going or holding the head down with the right hand or whatever it might be. Um, we now have a chance to go back and fill in those blanks that perhaps we've been ignoring or covering mm-hmm. up or pretending yeah. aren't there yeah. or whatever. And the other thing that, you know, I've, I've loved watching on Facebook and Instagram and so forth, seeing people that are kind of having more fun with their horses in the downtime. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I've seen that too. More, more hacking videos, more yeah. uh, silly video, you know, like the, I, I don't know if you've seen that, like toilet paper challenges. <laughs> and- that was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think so many people and particularly when you're gearing up towards a major competition, we've lost a little bit of that, just enjoying our horses. And, uh, so how unfortunate it is not to have these championships this year. Um, you know, we can take a, take a moment to really reevaluate what we're doing and where we're at and, and, uh, let our horses enjoy themselves a little bit more as we step back and, and really look at our basic basics. And then of course, next year, you're going to be even better because you have filled in those blanks. Yeah. And I think that could go for anyone who, you know, we're not, I think it's up in the air right now, what's going to happen with showing, et cetera. And, and you don't have to be shooting for the young rider championships. You can, this is for everybody. Exactly. No, it's really, it's really universal, really. So Lyndon, tell us about the dressage for kids program, because if you are a mom and you have a kiddo or you're involved with a kiddo, tell us about that program. It's a fantastic program. Well, it's, it started as a show, and uh, it still has uh, one large show in New, in uh, New York. We don't know if it's going to happen this year in August. The one one in Michigan has been uh, postponed for this year, and the one in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta, is in the fall. So hopefully that'll still happen. But the the everything in dressage for kids is geared towards education. So even the show which has where they do a dressage test and they do a group equitation class where, of course, the horse doesn't count so much. We're trying to level the playing field as much as possible. And then everyone has a written test, counts as much as the dressage test, um, on assigned reading. And every year the reading assignments are different. So, And at the show there are other educational uh, programs. And then gradually that started in 1999, where 
Wow. One of our first competitors, who was second in her first dressage competition, was Laura Graves, who mm-hmm. will tell you that that's kind mm-hmm. of gave her the boost to get going. We're very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we've we've uh, branched out into other educational activities, including a program we do in Connecticut in the winter of lectures. Um, we have now what's called the TEAM program, TEAM, which stands for Training, Education, and Mentoring. And that normally is um, the main part of that are clinics all over the country. And uh, we had 27, I believe, scheduled, wow. of which so far they've all been canceled, of course. Uh, have no idea when that'll start out, but we also send out educational material to to that group, and um, they often have opportunities that come up. People will contact me. You know, they want some kids to do one thing or another, um, and then expanding from the team program, mostly thanks to Kim Van Campen, we had the we have had the winter intensive training program, which I think is the best thing I've done. It's mm-hmm. three months of um, uh, education in Florida, Uh, lessons five days a week, fitness six days a week, lectures six days a week, Um, kind of like a team program that goes on for for three months because in the team clinics, it's not just lessons, but also lectures. And, uh, you know, we kids have to bandage correctly and braid correctly and this and that, and they have to watch all the other lessons. So the winter program has been, a, I think, a huge success and has given a lot of kids a big boost. Um, and then as we got going early on and we made a little bit of profit, we couldn't, from our show, we wondered, well, what do we do with the money? So we started a scholarship program, and that has um, expanded tremendously. And anyone who has participated in a Dressage for Kids activity they can have come to the show and been dead last. It doesn't matter. Uh, they just have to have participated as eligible to apply for a scholarship for something with equestrian education, lessons, mm-hmm. clinics, going to a symposium. We've even helped to mm-hmm. uh, fund the research for three college theses that uh, related to horses wow. and riding. <laughs> um, so, and those scholarships are usually sort of 300 to $600, something like that. Um, and then we have uh, two other scholarship programs, one in, in the name of Courtney King Dye um, for uh, riders or anyone who's, who's been helpful to D4K or participated in D4K when they compete internationally. So we've given several thousand dollars to people for the Pan American Games, for one Olympics, for the World Cup, um, major international competition. And then um, there we have a, a fund in the name of Christian Kennedy, who was a young man killed a couple of years ago, um, to assist. That, that has three different parts to it, one of which is to have a rider come to Wellington um, for three months, and uh, Oded Shimoni donates his lessons to this rider, and uh, that's sort of an all-expenses-paid opportunity. And then sort of the other big part of it, because we are a 501c3, which means people can donate 
to us with a tax deduction. Um, we've also had horses donated to us, and mm-hmm. uh, we funnel these horses out to, we try to find the right rider for any horse that's offered to us, um, and they lease the horse from us. And, and these horses, we've had about 60 horses donated now over the years, and they're everything from little old ponies that help kids learn to ride a horse on the bit and do a 20-meter circle to, well, a horse that represented the United States last year in the um, in Europe as a young rider, and we've had a couple that have been won the North American Championships. Um, yep. So that's yep. given some kids a, a huge boost. That's a, that's yeah, a huge and, program. And it's so great that there is there is a wide range of riders that you're supporting, not just the top-level athletes, but, but you know, all juniors, you know, all, all young people that want to learn more about dressage and, 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 you know, learn to ride dressage at, at all levels. I think that's really fantastic and, and uh, important. We really look for the beginning rider. I love the team clinics because I can have, I've had them as young as six, six or seven, you know, right up through Grand Prix. But we're really looking for the, the kids that don't have the opportunities. I mean, if you, if you've, got parents that can support you and you've got a wonderful horse, you're welcome to our program, but you perhaps don't need us quite so much. Um, whereas I think we've been able to really give a boost to kids that are in, live in areas where they can't get much, you know, there, there aren't instructors around. Um, or, you know, never thought they, you know, they, they come and I can say, you know, you should work a little harder. You can do this. You do a good job. You've got a nice horse. Go for it. And nobody's ever really encouraged them or, or challenged them to um, be better. So, so you know, that that's really our goal. Our goal really is to try to level the playing field as much as possible. Yeah, you know, help out true. those that, that need the help. It's a phenomenal program. And, and Lyndon, you also did a fantastic program this winter in Wellington that helped that I, I really enjoyed. It was Sunday. It was, I think every other Sunday night, uh, it Basically, was teachers yeah. for trainers for training. Tell us about that. That was Train, a fantastic training program. for teaching. Oops, for <laughs> well, that's been something I've been working on for a long time. I mean, I think, I don't know about you, but I started teaching as most people do. I started teaching because I rode fairly well and I knew absolutely zilch about teaching. I just got out there and kind of taught the way I'd been taught and, and, uh, took me a while to realize that other people weren't necessarily like me and didn't learn the same way. And, and I was a pretty awful teacher for a very long time. And I think that's, um, I don't mean people are awful teachers, but most people, <laughs> riders, they have no education in teaching. They, they know how to ride. Um, and some of them are very, very good at, at the explanation and developing the eye and all of that. But others really should stick to riding, let's face it. So I <laughs> yeah, have I done think, well, little I was pro- just going <laughs> to jump in and just Go say, ahead. I think a part of the problem is that it's, it's almost impossible to make, like in, in North America, to make a living by only riding. You know, yeah. There's lots of wonderful yeah, sponsors exactly. out there, but uh, I mean, this was my situation as well. Is like you're a little bit you know forced to teach because yes. people say, "Oh, you're a good rider," mm-hmm. and you know, and then that becomes part of your business, whether you like it or not. And you know, uh, I myself yeah. are in the same way. You kind of fumble around, and 
and and and you do your best and eventually you learn a little bit here you learn a bit a little bit there but i mean if we had a more programs like the train the trainers kind of idea that that would be wonderful well that's what i had done it in a small way up here in in the winter you know with some lectures but but we decided uh along ali brock helped me out as well um to make a little program down there and my my plan had been maybe we could get 20 people and we'd sit in somebody's living room and I'd offer them food <laughs> because you need to offer food to get people to come. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that was going to be fine. And then we had, uh, I think, almost 80 come to the first. We basically, every time, were between 65 and 80 people. So mm-hmm. it became a bit overwhelming. And thank goodness for Tooney Page and Still Meadow. Still Meadow, right? Yes. Still point. Um, still point. Still point. Farm, um, who picked up and sponsored it because it's just the expense of the food, not to mention the fact that we had to rent a high school library um, <laughs> to uh, hold it. But I was thrilled with the response, and and mm-hmm. Reese, you were there, um, and we had everybody from you know sixteen year old kids who weren't really teaching yet to some Olympians. I mean, it yeah. was it was fantastic, and. Um, uh, then and all of our our speakers donated their time and and uh, okay. so what the plan had been this summer we'll see what whether it happens is <laughs> when I was traveling to do these team clinics all over in some places we were going to do some sort of a Friday session if the clinic was on the weekend uh, the day before uh, for teachers for teaching um, again we'll see what what yeah. happens this summer but. But, you know, trying to expand it in some way and encouraging, uh, you know, Dressage for Kids has done, I think, a lot of nice things. We have a wonderful committee. We have a lot of people all over who help us tremendously. But I feel we have we have no proprietary uh, feelings about what we do. And I really hope that people see what we do and steal it and do it themselves. <laughs> um, no. Um, because we can only do so much, and uh, the programs that are successful, it would be fabulous if other people would would uh, expand, you know, take them on and and do it their way, and and uh, right. like well, this training for teacher teaching, um, it's so needed in this country, and obviously there's interest. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of interest. And, and what's also fantastic about your programs are you really just had to show up and eat. And it really, yeah, there was no, exactly. you, you just sent an email, said, I'm coming, you're RSVP'd. And, and it was great. And it became a really fun group. We had to cancel the last one, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the coronavirus. But um, I hope we get to do it again next year. And, and it's going on my schedule because it, it energized oh, me. It gave me some great some great tips that I needed. And, and at that part of the season uh, down there, it's really intense. So it's nice to have some time just to get a little better at your job and we can all get better at our job. But I just, I just think that, sorry, I was just going to say that I think that, um, you know, dressage should be a collaborative project. We can all lift each other up and, and because of the competitive aspect of it, you know, we sort of get, I mean, especially now we get sort of stuck at our own barns at our own things. And, you know, we see our friends at a horse show and then, you know, and then we go home and, you know, but, um, you know, the more programs and the more ideas that that involve everyone, yeah, the better. 
the better. I mean, exactly. we can all pull towards the same goal, right? We all want to be exactly. better teachers. We all want to be better riders. We all want to do better for our horses. And, you know, that's not the, the island technique doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Very much well, so. Me, and that's, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we, we, we've taken so much of your time tonight and, and we're so thankful. <laughs> um, how can our listeners, you know, if they have a kid or how can they find just information on dressage for kids? Well, we have a website, Dressage for Kids. That's the number four, dressageforkids.org, um, which has all of our programs on it. And then our show has its own website, which is youthdressagefestival.com. Um, and you're having up- and I- updates on those as well, right? That Where people can yes. find updates. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Absolutely. Lyndon, please stay well, and I hope to see you soon somewhere. Who, who knows? Hopefully Florida Great. at least next Who year. knows? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was a fantastic interview with Lyndon, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we're going to have a quick break from Bates Saddlery, and then we'll come back with Sandra B., our author of this month's book club book. Bates Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure the absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a Bates saddle. See your local retailer for a test ride or visit BatesSaddles.com to find out more. That's BatesSaddles.com. Well, tonight I am so excited to have our author for our book club book this month. We're very excited to have Sandra Beaulieu. She is <laughs> the author of Freestyle, the ultimate guide to riding and training and competing to music. Sandra, welcome to the show. Hello. It's so nice to talk to you. Okay. Say your last name again because we practiced <laughs> and I think I've it. <laughs> it's great. There's many ways to say it. So uh, Beaulieu <laughs> is how I ask people to say it, but it's fine. You can just call me Sandra B is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a dressage trainer. I live in Florida now, but I grew up in Maine and um, I've just been in love with horses my whole life. And um, I I just kind of grew into the freestyle uh, avenue as I, you know, as my life progressed, I, I definitely followed the the very uh, serious dressage track for a very long time. And then I kind of, you know, over the years figured that my personality was a lot better suited for creative, fun, artistic things. So I kind of always gravitated towards dressage to music and exhibitions and then theater. And um, so I, I now have my dream job here in Florida and I train Baroque horses, Frisians, Andalusians, and Warlanders at Little River Frisians in Havana. So I am uh, definitely living my dream job here in Florida right now. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So tell us, how did you get into freestyles? Like what started this? Yeah, well, I probably, my first memory of freestyle, like very 
uh, inspiring was watching Robert Dover on TV on the Washington International Horse Show doing his One Moment in Time exhibition. Did you ever see that? Yes, I did. It was awesome. Like everybody has seen that. And it was back before YouTube and, you know, there was no cell phones, basically. Like this was on VHS tape recorded off ESPN on the television. So, you know, I used to watch that video every single day when I was in seventh grade, that was like the year I was like driven, you know? And so he inspired me to, my goal was to ride my own one moment in time freestyle when I graduated high school. And I, and I actually did. So I trained really hard all through school. And then, um, I was able to take my horse over to the school and the whole student body came out and watched me perform a freestyle and my top hat and tails. And I'm sure they had no idea what I was doing, but it was very like a dream come true. And I got to tell Robert Dover when I saw him in the, you know, later on years down the road. And so it was like my first big freestyle, you know, thing that I always love to tell people because so many people have watched that freestyle. It gives you goosebumps when you watch it, you know? So, uh, so that was my first one. And then the place that I learned to ride was amazing because the trainer, she had, um, she had so many kids riding and she wanted them to, be inspired to learn dressage, but you know, young kids are, you know, dressage is a little serious, a little hard to learn. So she created play on horseback. So she did, and she's featured in my book. She's my instructor that I had for a really long time. Her name's Carolyn Rose, and she has this beautiful little farm in Maine. And she started this theater. And so we would take all the things we learned in dressage and then we would perform kind of like a recital every year, but it just grew and grew and grew. So every year, it expanded and we had quadrilles of horses up to 14 horses in this tiny little indoor arena. And then we had, you know, we'd act out our plays of, and all the costumes were amazing. And we just had such a great time. So that was my love for dressage to music as well. You know, adding the elements that you now do for like exhibition freestyles. And I learned how to edit music but that was in the beginning was on cassette tapes. You know, you're recording, you have the two different ones and you pause and you play and, you know, and you're trying to cut music, like not on a computer. (laughs) So that was kind of how us like kids, us teenagers used to create these soundtracks, you know? So that was really fun to kind of like get down in the nitty gritty of it. And you just, you know, you get it done, you have fun and you inspire people and the way you can make people feel with the horses is so dramatic. Um, and you know, I, I love competing too, but there's not, uh, that connection with people, what that there is when you have, when you add the music and, and you add, you know, perhaps a costume or tell a story. So that's why I've always loved, um, freestyle. So it really helped me learn how to ride dressage in a better way because it helps you be a little bit more in flow and, and it takes your mind off the seriousness of it, you know, gets you out of your head a little bit. Cause you got to listen to the music and feel the beat in your body. Um, a, a lot of people like myself who love dressage are also very kind of type a and get a little bit, you know, thinking too much and really like horses really like it when you're a lot more in the moment, a little more Zen and allowing the energy to flow. And so that's how I feel that music is also very helpful as well. So, yeah, it sounds like that was an amazing program and an amazing inspiration. So then, you you know, you've been riding, you've been doing freestyles. You also do like non-competitive events as well. 
Oh, correct? I love doing that. I, yeah. I do love competing and I, and I do help people with their freestyles and, and helping them get their, their bars, their USDF bars. And, and, um, but I kind of like my like creative side, I really prefer being able to be way outside the box, you know, and not have to do always this particular routine and, um, adding the Liberty or the bridalists, uh, or the tricks uh, you know, with the dressage. And I find that a lot more fun for myself, but, um, I kind of do a little bit of all of it. Um, that's why I included a section in my book on like exhibition riding, because I didn't really see anything else in the market for that. And that's kind of the reason I actually wrote the book is I just, was looking online and I, I, you know, I couldn't really find anything for freestyle except stuff that was pretty outdated, you know, from like the eighties the and nineties. And a lot of it didn't touch on any of the new software that you can use nowadays or, or addressed choreography that was for the new tests, you know, for USDF or WDAA. Um, so that's kind of how I started. I did eBooks first and just for choreography and helping people. And those are, you know, pretty popular. I knew that there were a lot of people that needed help and all my students were like, I want to ride a freestyle. That's my big goal in life. And I, I just didn't see people taking action because it's very overwhelming, the whole process. So I, you know, I thought just, okay, I'll try to write a book, you know, and it was, you know, definitely an experience to write a book. And uh, took a couple years, the whole process. And, um, and I just really hope that it helps people kind of get over that initial, you know, diving in and giving it a try. Cause your first one is not going to be that great, you know, but at least you do it and you get in there and you learn and, you know, and that's where like most of the amateurs are at is, is they might not have the money to actually pay a professional to create a freestyle for them, but they really want to do it. So, you know, this will kind of help them through that that um, that period of time and see if they really like it. And then maybe they would hire a professional leader, but they'll have more insight into the process. So it'll go a little smoother is, is what I've experienced. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And, and it is a process. I think that that's yeah. really important to know that. Like, I think sometimes I have students that are like, oh, I want to ride this next week. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, <Sorry>. I know. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You know, unfortunately, I wish it did work that way. But, you know, what is the average time that you would tell, like, let's say you're doing your first freestyle. I'm thinking quarantine now. We're still sort yeah. of in and out of quarantine. This is a great quarantine project. Or when Yeah, definitely. So tell us, I mean, tell us a little bit about the process and how long would you like budget time-wise yeah. to do that? Well, a lot of it is, like how tech savvy are you? You know, if you really like uh, using apps and editing music, or if you even know how to just do simple stuff on GarageBand or Audacity, if you have just a basic sense of that, it's you know you that's that's usually the 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 divide. You know, if you really don't know how to even do basics of editing or using a video camera to video your horse or, you know, those kind of things. You'll just have to find somebody to help you with the tech aspect, which most teenagers nowadays are just as good <laughs> as any of us older people. So, um, you know, so if you can find someone at the barn that wants to help you in exchange for some lessons or something like that, you know, um, I, I usually get, tell people, like, if you're doing a lower level freestyle, you know, training through first level ish, you know, probably, you know, a couple months at least to get it to the point where you feel like you could maybe go to a show. And I always say, go to a schooling show first to try it out. 
and then, you know, to work out the kinks because every show you go to, there's going to be something different that happens. The sound system is terrible or your CD doesn't want to play or, you know, or the wind carries it the wrong direction. You can't kind of hear it or, you know, there's all these different things. Your horse can go faster or slower or whatever. But um, at home, you know, the process mostly is, is if you can video yourself riding your horse on a good day and a steady tempo, walk, track, canter, you can take that video, get your beats per minute, you know, by replaying the video and, and there's, you know, different, I have a blog and in the book and all that stuff, it talks about how to find the beats per minute per each gate. And then once you have that number for your horse, you can start searching for music within those parameters so that you know you have a general direction of what's going to match your horse now you know then you have the whole all the personality of your horse so you might have different genres or themes would go better but when you ride to it and you're just playing around you save like a, a spotify playlist is what i do is i just save different playlists per each horse or rider and then you just ride to it and the horse really will kind of you'll feel like what they react to, what they like, what you like, what helps you relax or, or gets you excited, depending on what kind of things you're going for. Um, so, so getting the beats per minute is the first thing. And then I usually tell people to do choreography first, if they haven't done a freestyle before, because you want to accent what you're really good at and you want to create the routine that it's your best, like the best way to show off your horse you know, coming in in the correct, the direction that your horse feels most comfortable, turning off the center line, the, the way he's not going to spook at the judge or, you know, and like maybe you do the canter first because it helps your trot work or mixing up your walk or putting the walk at the end because your horse gets excited or you can really like create the choreography any way you want so that it really helps your horse. And, and that's better than trying to match the music where you might not help your horse. So so you create your routine that takes a little while, depends on how often you ride. Um, you know, if you, if you ride like three or four times a week, you can try a routine, you video it, you try something different and, and that takes, you know, that'll take you a few weeks, but if you're really dig- diligent, you, you know, you can at least get a piece of it done one day and then, okay, I really like that. And you move on to the walk the next day and, and then the canter or however you decide to put your routine and you have that videoed from where the judge sits. You make sure you watch that it's very symmetrical, sort of. Like, you, want, you don't want it to look like a test, but you do want it to be easy to tell what the moves are. Because um, lower level, sometimes things can look a little muddled if you try to, you know, if you're not really very clear. Um, so, so you record it, and then I say, okay, then once you have your choreography and you've played around with music and you know what music you like, then you're going to match the music to the choreography. Um, and that's where the editing is really the part that takes the longest because you might have a song that's only fits a piece of it. Like you're, you need maybe multiple trot music or you have to repeat it. Um, so there's a lot of different things that you might need to play with with the music. You might get lucky and your song fits great and you might only need three songs, one for each gate. But as you go higher up the level, you're going to need to play with how to accent the lengthenings or extensions, uh, transitions and such. But, you know, I, I encourage people just like, even if it's not amazing, you know, even if you can tell the transitions are still maybe a little choppy, at least like, you know, get going, get started. You know, you can keep tweaking it as the season goes on as well, because you might get a judge that that really like 
or you, you know, you want to write it for a few judges because some judges are not going to like your music no matter what you do, <laughs> yeah, especially if you have something with yep. good personality to it. Yeah, it's personal um, taste, yeah, of course, yeah, that comes that's, into it. It's really hard because some I've had a lot of clients will go to a show and they'll get feedback from the judge and they'll want to change like you know, they won't change everything. I'm like, well, wait, wait, you know, you really like this. You and your horse love it. Try it at another show. Then they'll go to another show and a judge will love it. So, you know, a lot of the artistic scores will vary a lot, but if you start to see a, a common denominator after each show, then, you know, there's an area you really have to work on, but definitely a couple months, you know, at least, um, you know, I give a lot of things in the book of like choreography and my eBooks. I try to do pre choreographed routines. So it's like, you can pick a routine if you're really bad at choreography yeah, and yeah. if you ride it and then you can spend time on the music part. And there are sites online. You can buy pre-made freestyle music that you then have to choreo- you know, create your choreography. So there's kind of little shortcuts. It's not always going to be the best, but it's going to get you to the end, you know, if you have trouble in those spots. Yeah, well, well, your your book definitely, you know, gives a, a ton of tips like this and and should be really helpful for people. You know, what else is included? Um, you know, because I think it's quite an extensive book. Um, <laughs> it kept getting longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, which, which is great because of all the things that it includes. Yeah. Um, so I, tell, tell us a little bit more, you know, just sort of um, highlights from the book. I mean, you've got You've got little interviews with different people who've done, uh, you know, a lot of um, showing or, or freestyle stuff. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I have, I have some awesome people that I've met and known through the years, you know, uh, all different disciplines. Um, my friend Marcia Sapp was just on the podcast uh, recently talking about Western dressage. And um, I've helped her with freestyles over the years. So I decided to include a whole section on Western dressage because I've actually gone to the championships and watched the freestyle classes are amazing. Like there's so many people that join the classes and it's a really big deal and it keeps growing and growing. So, um, so the book includes like choreography breakdown of all the movements from um, for USDF it's training through force. And then in WGA it's uh, through, through level four. So, um, there's a lot of choreography cause that's kind of what I gravitate towards more. And then there's like, there's definitely, uh, sections on how to do, you know, all the different pieces of it explains how copyright works. Um, as much as I could, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of a gray area when copyright is concerned with freestyle. So that took me a long time to research. Cause actually a lot of people don't really know the clear answer to that even, uh, you know, even other judges themselves. So that was a whole thing. I had to spend a lot of time doing that. I had the interviews, like I said, I also did a lot of, um, like, um, printouts that I created to, as people go through the book, you know, they have like a, like a checklist that they can work through or a blank page that has all the arena diagrams they can draw. So I created a lot of like kind of resources to go along with the book too, that are, you know, you can print out and use during the process. Um, so I have that, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of diagrams and a lot of pictures because pictures are lots of fun. So that you feel yeah, like a lot of pictures. It's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, how did, can I... we did a lot with that. Oh, it's a beautiful book. It really is. And it, and it really grabs your attention. And if you're at all interested in freestyle, want 
want to have a little time right now, maybe you're still home. Uh, it's, it's actually a great thing to work on and kind of get organized. And uh, there's a lot, it, it's a lot of organization and a lot of planning before you even mm-hmm. get out to the arena. So right. Sandra, how can our listeners find some of these resources and how can they find the book? Yeah, I, I pretty much everything is right on my website, which is beginthedance.com. And I'm on Instagram at beginthedance.com too. So um, if you go to the website, you can enter, uh, you can either purchase the book and there's links in the book, like the little QR codes go to, you know, the free book resources, or if you just enter your email, you can also get a couple of the free um, printouts as well. So it's really easy to, um, to get things and they can also email me from the site if they have any trouble finding anything and I'll just email it to them. Um, I also have a Facebook group that's really popular right now. It's a free one. You can join. It's create, uh, create a dressage freestyle. It's great because people go on there and they ask questions and they're all helping each other out during the process. So they're sharing videos and like how to's and, you know, sharing music that they want. And, and they kind of like, it's its own community, like that they all kind of chit chat with each other. So that's really cool too. So, um, you know, that's anybody can join that as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, we are so excited to be featuring your book, Freestyles, The Ultimate Guide to Riding, Training, and Competing to Music. And you can also find from Trafalgar Square on horseandriderbooks.com. So, Sandra, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we wish you to stay well and healthy. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to have a quick break from our favorite supplement company, Kentucky Performance Products, keeping my horses nice and shiny during this pandemic and all the time. And we're going to come back with one of our favorites, Olivia Lagoy-Welts. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight I am so thrilled to have before she has been on the show multiple times, Olivia Lagoy-Welts on the show. Welcome, Olivia. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, we are great. And as everybody knows, we've been following you and Lono on your journey. And girl, we were ready to party in Vegas with you at the World Cup. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're up to. (laughs) Well, um, we're, we're back at home in Virginia, um, which is in lots of ways lovely. There's lots of green grass and it's spring and the red buds are out and the birds are cheeping. Uh, but it's a little cold and there's definitely no Vegas here. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so we're just <laughs> home and regrouping. I've done lots of pruning so far, lots of mowing of the fields. Uh, general spring cleaning of the house, attacking piles of paper, so on and so forth. You're you're a real person too. At the end of the day, everybody everybody we're all horse people and own farms, and and that doesn't seem to stop even with a, a pandemic, does it? No, no. I think actually on the list of approved activities is cutting your grass. So I'm within the bounds of approved activities for the lockdown and I have lots of grass to cut so that's <laughs> to my 
my advantage. I, I wish it wasn't on the improved lifts. That would be amazing. But I'm with you. It, it seems to be. So so tell us, Olivia, tell us a little bit about, just so everybody knows, sort of where you were on the qualifying to Vegas. Because um, you were pretty much going, weren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, we were, we were looking quite solid. So in order to qualify for the World Cup, you need... Um, three freestyle scores from CDIW, CDIs. And um, so we had started our season out doing a World Cup qualifier and just saying kind of like, okay, we'll see how it goes. And if it goes well, we'll proceed with this. And, you know, if it doesn't look like it's feasible, then we'll sort of, you know, reroute our show plan. And it went really well at the first one we got. Our first ever 80, and um, that was phenomenal, <laughs> yeah, and then came out like two weeks later. So that, of course, I was like, well, all right, well, you're definitely on the World Cup track um, with that. Um, and so then the next one was just two weeks later, and we came out and had another great go and got just under an 80, I think 79 point something. We had like one judge that was kind of, unfortunately pulled us down below another 80 but so with those two scores like that that put us like solidly into the running for that second spot the north american league which um, is the u.s and canada gets two spots um for the world cup so stefan was working towards um he had already had some at least one score, I think, from California for a CDIW. So he only needed two, um, or maybe even one. I don't quite remember. Um, I think maybe even just one. It all Anyways, seems like such a long matter. time yeah. ago now. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like all, like the, all the changes ago. in the Anyways, world. He was, he was going good, and he qualified, and so he for sure had a slot. And so then I was sitting basically looking very solid for the second slot. I just needed one more qualifier. And they had reorganized the show schedule this year so that that final qualifier was the last show on the Florida circuit. So we had completed those two qualifiers and then went ahead and did a Grand Prix special just so we had something, you know, that could make us eligible towards the Olympics if they, you know, needed us or if there was a spot kind of available type thing. Um, It made it just easier for them to invite us to Europe for the rest of the Olympic qualifiers. And that went really well. Like he got a, a his first ever 75 in the special, um, my yeah, first 75. Yeah. It was a really good year for us. So then it was just, we were just biding our time until the last show. And then that's when, you know, everything started to, to, you know, go, you know, there were rumblings and my husband works in tech and he had kind of made mention. He's like, they're going to start canceling a lot of stuff a little bit before, you know, I think it was, um, you saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. Like, and I, and I was a little like, you're just being fatalistic, you know, you're just (laughs) raining on my parade and like, And he was yeah. so right. And like, I hate it when he's right sometimes. Like, I love it when he's right. I like that he's smart, but I hated it that he was right <laughs> in like this way. I so wanted him to be wrong. Um, yeah. We did too. Right. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. We were- 
cheering for you. Yeah. So uh, let, let's, let us know a little bit about your, you know, preparation for such a great season. You know, what, what, what do you think were the keys to your success? I think that, you know, we had some time off last year because of an unfortunate shoeing incident. But I think that that also really afforded us um, a really nice, like, easy year last year. And then so coming back into this season, like, really, really fresh and really motivated that he, I mean, not that you're not motivated before, but Lono really, like, loves to be a show horse. And so I think, you know, actually being out of the show ring um for a year, even though under unfortunate circumstances, really made him uh, very. Maybe maybe it made both of you miss it miss it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah miss it a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. And I think also uh, for me, what's nice is like when you go through that, and then you're kind of you haven't ridden this horse in a while, in a little while. You know, when you have a horse that long, it's like it's like a marriage, you know, and like your <laughs> weaknesses and their weaknesses or strong points and this and that. And so when I ride a bunch of other horses and training horses, and then I'm bringing him back, it really gives you a moment to really like recheck off all your basics as you're building them back up in fitness and condition. And like that, you just like, you know, are you really through? Are you really genuine in your gates? Like, are you really good on the leg? Like, um, you know, all of it, which like, I'm always thinking about the basics, but it's just like, it gives you such a, a pure approach to it. I think like a, almost like a fresh perspective. And so I think that, that, um, you know, that part was really good. And I think that too, there's an element of like, I've gotten a lot of really great help, you know, in these years that, you know, he was becoming an international Grand Prix horse and, well, I finished a couple other horses to Grand Prix and, and showed one of them, the other one I sold, um, you know, this was the first horse of this caliber that I've gotten the chance to have in the international ring. And so that's been a huge learning curve. And I think the break almost let me come back to it and own it a bit more um, so that you feel a tick more like a veteran rather than more like a newbie. And I think that that um, also like just helped me like come to the show ring with a little bit more, um, you know, like ability to own it, or it gives you also the ability to step back and say like, okay, well, I know how it normally goes. How do I want it to do different? Or like, what is the difference between like a 72 or 73 and a 75 or a 76 or an 80 or, you know, that kind of thing. And it really is like, how through are they? How rideable are they? Like how, cause he does all the stuff and he does most of it, you know, quite well. It's all about how on the aids they are and how through they are. Yeah. And, and that's, what's so interesting, right? We talk about these, the, this throughness literally from training level, you know, and here, here you are an international rider. You've ridden at Aachen, you've been all over the world with Lono and that at the, at the end of the day, that's the difference between a 73 and a 75 or 78 is throughness. So we're, we're not just preaching that because, you know, it really here, this is a perfect example of where, the, the devil's in the details, right? And you can just 
that's what you have to focus on at that point. Hugely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, where you talk about gates and like huge gates and this and that, and, but it, it all has to be rideable and it all has to be through and that there has to be like for it to be that repeatable. There also, even when they're hot, there has to be, um, I'll call it like a, like a relaxation and they can still be hot, but they have to be very at peace with their hotness. I don't know how, how to say yeah. it better than that. Like, no, I think that's like they get used okay. to kind of cooking at a certain temperature and being okay with that. Cause yeah. otherwise like, yeah. you know, it's like, they're really like going into like a state of like, not like, like flight, but a little bit, you know, like a horse in the field, like does not have the feeling of a horse, like piaffing for a 10. Like that's more the mm-hmm. feeling that like, the cheetah is chasing them for dinner. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. and then you're like, I've okay, seen Lono in that state, my friend. Right. I have like, personally I know seen it. That wants you for dinner, <laughs> but like, now I want you to do that and look relaxed and like happy and floppy <laughs> ears, but like legs on your tummy, sir. You know, it's a it's yeah. really challenging what we ask them to do. <laughs> It's true. It's very true. That's a great way to describe it. So tell us now, okay, so obviously with the pandemic, uh, no European tour, no Olympics in Tokyo. So what's the strategy now? Now you've got to get Lona ready for next year. So, so what's the strategy now for you? I think right now we take a step back and we we chill for a little bit, basically, you know, I think with a top or top performing horse like him, really any horse, but especially when you go at that level and then he is getting older, he's turning 16 this year and he's still very, you know, fresh in a lot of ways, but like you want to try and keep him that way. So whenever you come out of competition, you know, we like to powwow with, you know, our vets. Um, just to say like, okay, how did he come out of this? Because what you want to be careful about doing is like when you're going into letting them down, you want to make sure you like know what, like you're letting down, like, cause you can be like, oh, that was great. And give them some time off. And they may have like a little bit of like something or a small injury or whatever. But since you're not really doing anything, you don't notice. And then you go to pick them back up and you're like, oh, like I missed that. And then you're behind the eight ball. Um, so, and I'm like, Lona's in great shape, um, which is fantastic, but like it's April of 2020. And like, now we're looking towards like the fall or like really realistically like next January. So right now there's no point in me being like, rah, like let's train. <laughs> like right now it's like, go enjoy your grass. And like, we're going to do a lot of like hill hacking and like just enjoying like being together and like you enjoying life and like he maintains fitness incredibly well. Um, and so that's really fortunate. That's a blessing. Um, yeah, that's great. Yes. Yes, it is. He's, he's quite a naturally, uh, kind of like higher toned muscle horse. If he was like a flop, I might have a different, um, like a different plan, like one that like, you know, made him stay much more cardiovascularly fit, but like, um, he maintains fitness incredibly well. So I can like say, okay, you know, we're going to back off and we're going to just like pack and do a, you know, a little bit of that for like a month or whatever. And, you know, and then when we pick back up, 
he'll be, you know, just feeling really good and fresh in his body, which is really nice. You know, that's how that works for him. Not every horse is that way. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta make an individual plan. You gotta know your horse basically. Absolutely. And I know yeah. that you, you know him yeah. really well, so I think you can yeah. you can make a good plan for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Olivia, so, how long have you had him? For our listeners. Um, I have had him since he was seven. That's what October I thought. of his seven year old year. So he's now coming sixteen this year, almost ten mm-hmm. years. Nine wow. years this year. Yeah, nine years. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, that's that's such yeah. a positive way to look at this and just kind of rework the game plan and, you know, be ready to come out in January when you have to be ready to kind of redo the whole. Um, uh, do you know, will there be another World Cup next year or have they discussed that? I, I, mean, I have there no idea. Should, I mean, there should be another World Cup. World Cup's an annual thing. So it's not like this one got postponed. It just got canceled. So unfortunately it. it won't be in Vegas next year. It'll Aww. be in Sweden. And that's too um, bad. Cause I was really looking forward to riding them in front of a home crowd. And like, I know Laura <laughs> was going to do a retirement for Diddy and like, and Phil, we we're going to be there yeah. hanging out in Vegas. Just we'll saying, be, yeah, yeah we, we were going to be booked, there. You know, all that we were ready stuff. to roll. We were ready. Aww. Yeah, we were ready. And we would have been very loud. You would have known where we were. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, Olivia, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and telling us and being very candid about kind of what the challenges are. And we, we are all, everyone has challenges right now and we all have challenges when it comes to showing our horses and our dreams and goals for this year. And I think this is just a great way to say, okay, we'll just, we're going to just take a little break, have some grass and get reorganized for next year. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. How can our listeners find you online? We're at mountaincrestfarm.com or um, even better is Olivia Lagoywelt on Instagram. Fantastic. Thanks, Olivia. And we can't wait to, see, to have the same discussion next year. Thanks, guys. Well, Phil, one of the things we're really trying to do during this pandemic is uh, really tell everybody, as we do every week, how much we love Total Saddle Fit. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Big Mike, I have been working on trot canner transitions and getting the best trot I can, and I am relying heavily on my stability syrup leathers. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I I, I mean, uh, you know, as I said earlier, just kind of back to riding and working the horses. So, um, you know, while, while we were off, all of the tack and, you know, looks beautiful because had enough time to really take care of it and, and clean it and sort of you, you assess the stitching and, and all that great stuff. And, and all, you know, all the girths that I use look fantastic and even better when they're clean and conditioned and looking good. And, <laughs> yeah. and the, the stirrup leathers are, I mean, uh, they don't show anywhere at all. No, tell right? we, we abuse them. We work hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they get, get, get a lot of use, get a lot of, a little bit of abuse and, uh, they're happy, happy to have their, their conditioning and all of that. So we have to, you know, go ahead and, and thank Total Saddle Fit for their wonderful products and for their sponsorship of our show. Um, you know, it's, it's a time that maybe you can check out all their great products at uh, totalsaddlefit.com. And this week, we're coming back with a trainer tip slash listener question with Patty Mayer. We hope you enjoy.
This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight I am so happy to have our friend Patty Mayer. She is an international rider and trainer, and she's back for our our segment. We're doing third level tonight. This was a listener-inspired questions, and, and we're going for third level, and flying changes are always high on the list. Uh, but our this started because a listener said, what are some challenges that each of you have had uh, as training horses up the level? And Patty's been joining us. Patty, welcome back. Thank you. Lovely to be back. Well, we love having you and we've been, it's just like our Thursday night party now uh, while we're all in quarantine. So we're loving it. (laughs) So we're going to tackle third level. So get us started. This is a tough one. Third level, level, which is a tough one, but an awesome one because finally you get to doing like precise tricks. tricks. No, not well, A, the tricks are more fun. So for sure, it's a way more fun level because you actually get to do stuff. That's like, and you get to do half pass and you do flying changes and that's just way more fun. Um, and it's a little more challenging for the rider. And I think the horses have more fun doing it. And so, I mean, if we're going to talk about, do we want to talk about flying changes first? Or we want to talk about half passes first. Let's talk about flying changes. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's, here's my flying change philosophy. Flying change should be like for a horse, like bucking, but much more fun because the people like it. So, you know, because like when you buck with people, people get sad. People and when you, sad. Yeah. Changes, when you do flying <laughs> changes with people, people are happy. But it's the same kind of sense of joyful expression and bounding that, that a horse will get when it's, you know, frisky and, you know, bucking a bit. And I love flying changes for that. So horses, I just think horses get like big horsey smiles on their faces when they do changes. And I mean, all of us have had horses who had any number of issues with changes, right? Um, you know, lots of horses are a little late behind when they start. That is fairly natural when a horse changes in nature. They change that little, like, microscopic, not like a stride late behind, but they'll change that tiny bit late behind. And, you know, so we need to kind of a little bit reschool that and teach them a little bit of a different way of using their bodies. Um, Sometimes, you know, when you teach flying changes, so sometimes, you know, they're a little bit late behind or not quite clear on it. Um, sometimes, of course, you know, they get the whole bucking thing going a little bit more than you'd ideally like. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, because that, so that can happen too. Um, and for me, teaching flying changes is about two things other than just having the horse really enjoy it. I mean, really love it. Um, but it's really about setting them up in a way that is based on their confirmation and then having them react. So I think you always reward a reaction, even if it's not like the best thing in the history of the world, like when they change a little late behind or a little early behind or whatever, like at the beginning of this, it is, you know, good boy. You, you try, you reacted when I put an aid on. Um, and so yep, for me, those it. are kind of big deals. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I mean, you can yeah. certainly cause a lot of problems by, how do I want to say it, being a little bit too greedy Yeah. by, by really, yeah. you know, in the beginning saying, oh, it has to be super clean or really clean or even yeah. just clean. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the they have to have the idea because you've schooled probably a, a significant amount of counter canter 
and mm-hmm. simple changes and you know you know and now and now all, one day you woke up and decided you wanted not counter canter yeah. Not, yeah. not being able to go to walk to change a lead. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if you want a real problem, go ahead, yeah. go ahead and punish the horse for doing the wrong thing. Right. You know, when, when you ask the question. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I do something and you guys may be, you're probably better humans than I am. Um, you know, I, I actually do teach flying changes pretty early, but I teach yeah. flying changes in a, in a very relaxed way early. And then I go back and reteach it in a more dressage way. So I'll take my baby horses. So I take my baby horses. I get up in a two point. I gallop them across the diagonal. Maybe I'll do it over a pole on the ground. I open my new inside hand and move my new outside leg back. And they do a change. They do a change just like they would if you were riding over a cross pole, riding over fence. Because I want them to learn to react, that, that it's okay to react to my new outside leg while they're cantering. And that that's fun. And I give them a big pat. I step in a two point and I gallop around a little more. And, you know, obviously not to win if your horse is naturally on the forehand, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I mean, in that mine tend to be, a, you know, a little bit uphill, you know, built naturally, you know, it's fine. I'm not going to get them on the forehand. I just lower their necks down, give them a big pat and, you know, get, essentially gallop them over a pole on the ground and open the new inside rein and push back the new inside, the new outside leg that, but I'll do that when they're babies. I really will. And cause I just think it's fun for them. Um, when I really go to teach flying changes, when they're, you know, when they're kind of a good solid, you know, beginning of second level and really having a sense about what collection is and the sense of a half halt, then I do start with a much more classical approach. So I do start with canter, walk, canter, but I do it in a fairly specific way. Most of my horses historically have been pretty forward. So I do use the wall on the short side to back them up a little bit. So I will do a figure eight towards the short side wall and, or to, you know, my arena actually doesn't have, except for on the short side where I have mirrors, I don't have any fencing. So (laughs) something, something that's going to give them a visual back them off a little bit. And then I do canter, walk, change, bend, canter the other lead. If they start anticipating it, I don't do the walk. After I've right. done the after I've done that with canter, basically figure eight canter walk canter, I will do a figure eight where I'm going to just. But then I'll do let's say you're on the left leg. In that same kind of part of start of a figure eight, I'll do that and then I'll counter flex, but stay cantering the correct lead. So if I'm tracking left, if I'm on a little bit of left ten meter circle, I'll flex them to the right and keep cantering left. And until they'll do that, they'll hold, they'll allow me to access, to hollow their new, what's going to be the new lead side. I won't try a change until they really allow me to hollow that. Then I go in and I'll do that towards the mirror and I'll ask for the change. And, and Patty and, and Phil too, like, I think before you start doing flying changes, what are some things mm-hmm. that you need to, what are some benchmarks, right? Like for me, I need to be able to do canter walk and I need to be able to do canter walk, counter canter walk and be able to activate either hind leg. So that those are some things like for me, because I see, especially Mm -hmm. with my adventures, they teach Mm -hmm. the horses way too early. And then I, I, this happened to me today. I have a, 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 it's would have been a five-star horse that has, um, 
you know, he learned changes far too early in the wrong balance and it has taken us a year and a half to fix it. And we're, I mean, a long time because it was taught incorrectly because he really wasn't ready to do the changes. So what are some benchmarks for you guys? Canter walk canter for sure. I am less obsessed with counter camera than most people. Yeah. Because, and, and again, this goes back to kind of the original listener question, which was, what are some of your personal experiences? I just, when I was not a kid, but, you know, a, certainly a young adult, there was a wonderful horse who I rode who could counter canter a six meter Volte. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. he was just like, dude, got the counter canter. And you could never get him essentially off balance enough to change. So he was so good at the counter canter that I, that he never felt comfortable changing. He was also a neurotic horse, but whatever. So I, I don't necessarily for me need to be able to go like on the straight side, canter, walk, counter, canter, walk, canter, walk, counter, canter, walk. I, I do want them balanced, but I want them to, my bigger test is, do they react off of my leg? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so for me, when you're doing the walk transitions, they need to be sharp enough. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in a, ooh, mommy wants something fun in a kind of forward and happy and refreshing sort of way. Um, so before I ask, does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I totally yeah. see what you're getting at though. Yeah. How about you, Phil? What are some things? For you? Yeah, actually, um, what I like to teach while I'm t- sort of working on the changes is to be able to leg yield the horse in canter, introduce mm-hmm. the idea of counterflexion leg yield. So I think it's, it's pretty important. And I think you touched on this a little bit, Patty, is that you actually have to take the, the horse out of balance for a quick stride to, in, mm-hmm. to uh, encourage them to, to do something different. Which, which is a fly. I mean, you know, you watch them in the, in the field and, and, uh, you know, the horses will do flying changes in the field. Well, what is the thing that, um, happens prior or during their flying change? They, they are out of balance and then they just change their lead because, mm-hmm. because there's a better way to do this. And they already know that in their head. So, you know, I like to be able to be in control and to be able to push them around a little bit and to have more access to their body. So it's not necessarily it's not necessarily counter canter. I mean, they should be able to counter canter, and they sure. should be able to do the canter walk canter. But but you know I, you know in my experience, and I've watched a lot of lessons, and I've trained uh, you know horses. Um, there's a lot of different ways to teach flying changes. Everybody sort of oh, yeah. has their own little niche way, and mm-hmm. and it works. You know, for them it works because they understand what what they want out of the balance or the unbalance or the reaction that they are looking for. So, um, there's a lot of different, I don't think there's a lot of wrong ways, um, to, to, to teach the flying change. You know, every, every time I talk to somebody or, you know, I watch somebody teach a lesson on flying changes, I get a new idea and I, and, and I just add that to my toolbox and I, and I move forward and hopefully the idea is, is in the right way. And through a lot of experimentation, I've been able to teach, uh, a a lot of different horses flying changes. So I think there's, there's a lot of ideas and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to do it. And I think, 
um, for anybody who is, is is going to do this, you know, at home with a horse, I think it takes eyes on the ground for sure, mm-hmm. because it's really That's hard to big. feel what's going on and what's what's wrong, what's right. I I, I use videotape for myself. I use the you know have a beautiful arena to ride in with mirrors and and the whole deal, because it's just a really hard thing to do, and it's hard. It's the the more the easier counter counter gets for the horse, the harder it is to do a flying change. So yeah. Uh, I'm with Patty on teaching it, you know, pretty early because it's natural yeah, for the horse and yeah, not to drill counter canter too much. And, and if, and if, you know, I'm riding that, uh, counter canter serpentine from one of the tests mm-hmm. and the horse throws in a flying change, boom, I'm happy. I'm praising. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a walk break, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah, exactly. never, will I, <laughs> never will I punish a horse for, for throwing in a flying change because mm-hmm. God, I know how hard it is later on when they're really good right. at counter canter. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so there's two sides of that I, coin, right? They, they have to be able yeah. to do counter canter. They, yeah. they, you know, so. But here's, I mean, for me, if I were to say the one thing that I think, I shouldn't say that everyone does, but I think the one universal kind of dressage thing that creates clean changes is to be able to get them, to hollow them away from the leg you're going to change to. So if you're yeah. on the right lead, they have to be able to get hollow on the left side prior to you asking for the next, for the left lead. And I feel, and again, reasonable minds can differ on this and I'm not telling you I'm going to be perfect on this. I try super, super hard to not throw my body around. Mm -hmm. I try super hard to give a correct aid. If I need to back that up with a little bit of a tap with a whip or a little bit of a slightly sharper leg aid, then, you know, that I want to end up with when I'm a Grand Prix. Okay. But I try super hard to give a correct aid, to give correct position and a correct aid. And I know that's incredibly difficult because we sort of get them a little off balance to change, even though that's a, you know, a secret. Um, but you'll see, <laughs> you know, some of the best, you know, some of some are really great riders in the United States and great trainers. And sometimes me too, will throw their upper body over to help the horse get the change just to give them the idea at the beginning. And I, I have to tell you for me, I, first of all, because then I get in a personal bad habit of doing stuff like that. So I try to not do it for myself, but I also want to make sure that they're, you know, we're teaching Pavlov's dog to drool, right. That I'm giving the same aid each time. Um, so, so to me, there are, you know, I think these things kind of go in. Um, you don't. It's you don't necessarily when you start flying changes. You don't necessarily have this kind of upward trajectory the whole time, right? So you can start with some clean changes, and then maybe they're going to get a little late behind for a few weeks, and then they're going to go back to being clean. What I don't want to see in any horse is that they become chronically late behind or that they become upset. And to me, those are the two things that I think you need to nip in the bud. So, I mean, I did have a, I mean, like you, Reese, I did have a student who happily, the horse is a Grand Prix horse now, thank goodness. But when I first started teaching her, and she's a good professional, I mean, but this one horse of hers just had chronically late changes both directions. He was just late behind both directions. And it really was because she hadn't, been setting him up enough and because he wasn't Betsy sharp. He wasn't sharp enough to her new outside leg. Um, 
So when she asked, he was like a little bit ho hum about the whole process. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. so we did do a little bit of what Phil is talking about, at least at least I think you're talking about, which is we leg yielded mm-hmm. away from so if you're on the left lead, we leg yielded towards the left to hollow the right side. Yeah. Then yeah, ask. that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. That's then a big half halt and ask. Yeah. So yeah. we we really had to get him to understand that, you know, an aid meant you actually had to do something. Um, and we did that throughout his work. He was just one of those horses who was just a little bit dull. And so, and what, what he had done with her, and again, I think this is just, you know, a problem everyone has on occasion, especially with a horse who isn't naturally spicy, you know, he was a little bit dull. So she got to moving a little bit more. So she, so he got duller. So she moved more. So he got duller. Well, by the time you get to changes, like that is no longer any fun. No, good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and it's a, you know, and it's a seventeen-two hand horse, and like it was all just, you know, it was a little bit like watching molasses flow very slowly down a tree <laughs> in a I not think, very good way. But I think too, this is a perfect example. I mean, these are, we're all professional riders, and this is a time where I absolutely lean on my friends because yeah. there's some horses that get it no problem, and there's other ones. <laughs> It just takes a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it, it, every horse that I've ever taught changes to, it's, everything's a little bit different. And that's yeah. what's nice to have a team behind you. Uh, and again, if you're by yourself, this is tough. The, I mean, it is really hard. You really need to be able to to do kind of the things Phil was talking about as well, like video yourself, et cetera, because yeah. this is the base of what will, you will ride changes at every level from third level on at a lot of them. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, lean on some friends or lean on your professional at this moment. And, uh, because eh, I think we all have had situations where horses haven't been taught correctly and it's, it's one of the hardest things to fix as you go through. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, it's as simple as getting, you know, your husband, your child, your whatever to stand by the side of the arena and say, clean, late, clean, late. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have to say a lot. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what it is yeah but no, they need true. yeah they need to say it immediately and they yeah. need to be super tough so it can't be they can't say clean when it's a, when it's a half a stride late behind they need to actually tell you what's going on and <laughs> and so if you teach your next door neighbor what to look for it's not like it's hard to see what when a flying change is clean or not that's super easy to see um and then you know later you need to of course deal with straightness <laughs> and other things. And I am actually a big believer in having the, and you guys, again, may totally disagree. I mean, I can teach flying changes to a cow. It's just something I can do. With that said, I'm a big believer in having the ultimate owner rider person who's going to compete the horse, teach the horse flying changes because flying changes are absolutely personal. We all ate them a little bit differently. And we and not that you couldn't get it, not that Reese couldn't get on my horse or Phil couldn't get on my horse and do a line of ones. You could. But in ter- but it's as when a horse is at the beginning of their career, it takes a while for them to distinguish between body types. So it's you know, and so, and they, every horse has a little bit of a different issue, like my Grand Prix horse Cato, he does he gets his neck high and a little bit, I was about to say high and short, but that's not quite right. His neck comes higher and he climbs in front. 
when he does changes. And so one of the issues with him is and always has been and always will be keeping his neck long and low. And I don't mean long and low like you're doing a stretchy circle, but <laughs> lower than his yep. tendency. Yeah, you got to be thinking about, and, about bringing the horse a certain way because he has a tendency right. to go uh, the right. other way. And in so. fact, yeah, and in fact, he was a horse who, and I, you know, I'm not telling tales out of school. He's a horse who I bought from a dealer um, at half the price that they were originally asking because he was a seven-year-old horse without a single change either direction and a good, good, good horse dealer. I mean, good trainer, rider, all those things. And they just couldn't get a change on him because they, the way they ride, which is totally classical and lovely, is horse needs to be collected. Pole needs to be the highest part. And you asked from a collected canter. And because this particular horse, like he wakes up in the morning that way <laughs> and yeah. he has big gates. And so he actually couldn't change through because his neck was too high. Right. And the minute, and I literally got a change on him the first day I went to try him out because I got into a toe point, kicked him into a canter, canter across the back, and only got a flying change on him because I just lowered the neck. And he was like, oh, that's what they've been asking. I can do that. Can do that. And yeah, I mean, so I, mean, I think you have to be very aware of your horse's confirmation. Right. And you have to be a little bit brave to be able to do that. I think outside the box too. Yeah. <laughs> All those things. <laughs> All those things. It's hard. And that's why, you know, third level is, is a challenge, you know, and this is, mm -hmm. this is a good reason because, um, you know, let's let Patty, let's do a real quick 30 second half pass. Oh, okay. So half passes. Half passes, again, I think they're really a fun thing for horses. Um, the key is, of course, to keep them you know, wrapped around your inside leg and keep the canter beautiful. I mean, I just think that the, the place where people get messed up is thinking, it needs to be super, super, super collected. And then they actually get like some weird four-beat canter. Um, it, needs to have, it needs to be a buoyant, lovely jump across canter. And then all it is is you know, a haunches in on an oblique line. So you start it by thinking a little shoulder four, and then you point your horse's head and neck towards the letter you're going to arrive at. You look through their ears and you essentially do a haunches in towards that. The shoulder should be leading a little bit. And once they, I mean, I've never seen a horse that could do a shoulder in that couldn't do a half pass. And I'd say that, that it, the only time horses have a real big problem with half pass is when the riders are blocking them in particular by sitting a little to the outside. Mm -hmm. Not that there yeah. isn't a reason to do that sometimes, but people get stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. People get stuck. And I, I, I was actually watching a 30 year old, probably 25 or 30 year old um, video of Robert teaching me on my Grand Prix horse exact uh, Robert Dover teaching me. And, you know, this was when he was a very, my very successful Grand Prix horse. So, yay. But he was literally like, Patty, when you have pass right, could you please just drop your right ear over? Oh, look, the horse yeah, goes better. And you think, and you think, oh, oh, I wish like oh, that TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I was just sitting just that itsy, itsy bit against the horse. And, and so suddenly it was just like horses close its crop. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so to me, it's about positioning and not panicking. I love it. That's yeah. So um, you think? Uh, yeah. For, for my two cents about the half pass is that um, 
don't ride a half pass like it's a sideways exercise. Yes. It's just a bending exercise. Mm-hmm. And never compromise the quality of the horse's gait or balance mm-hmm. to push them sideways. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. because that's, the, that's, the, that's the biggest mistake is people, mm-hmm. you know, start on one wall, look over, like, so kind of in a sideways way, and then just start going there. And no, that's, that's a leg yield with a wrong bend. And that's not what a half pass is. Right. And, so can and, I give then, you my, oh, sorry, go on. And I was just going to say, okay. and then uh, if you do that, the quality of your trot and your canter will start to be less and then less and then less and then less. And then you have a whole bunch of stuff to fix when you, when you reach the other line or the, you know, the other wall or the center line or whatever. So just remember, stay, stay true to your gait. Mm-hmm. Just bend the horse around your inside leg. If you point him in the right direction, he'll go there and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, know. I mean, it's I just, just like that, it. right? But I think, I think that one thing that, you know, it's like if you feel like you're not getting there are two exercises I love for half pass. One is if you feel like you're not getting enough bends, you're half passing the right, you feel like you're not getting enough bend, leg yield left. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean run the horse sideways. I mean increase you know, help the horse understand that your inside leg has a meaning in the half pass. If you feel like you're getting stalled out or like you're getting a nice consistent six or seven on the half pass, but you are interested in seeing if you might be able to get an eight. I am a big believer in medium trot, half pass, medium trot, half pass, all on the same line. Do you keep the head and neck on the same, on the same line? Let's say you're going to do it MXK, mm-hmm. head, is towards, head, and, head, and, head and neck are towards K, and you're going to go, let's say, medium, and then just dance that into a half pass, and dance that into a medium, and dance that into a half pass. And again, assuming you don't pull back, <laughs> assuming you're just riding a nice forward thing, yeah. suddenly the horse is like, oh my God, that was so much fun. Thank you, mommy, mm-hmm. for yeah. letting me express myself through motion. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love, love it. it. Love it. Yeah. Well, Patty, as always, we love when you come on, we still have more levels to go, but how <laughs> can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions on third level? Okay. So I have, so they can find me through Facebook. So it's Patty Mayer. Um, my Email is the same as my barn name, which is Bailey Wick House. So it's B-A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K, Bailey Wick House, H-O-U-S-E, at gmail.com. And my cell phone is 310-729-3365. Fantastic. Thanks, Patty. We look forward to next week. Well, Phil, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. If you can send us some workout ones, because yeah, tell, get a tell us how your workouts are going. <laughs> tell us yeah. how your workout's going. Uh, we would love that. Or if you didn't jump on the DRT bandwagon, if you're doing some at-home workout and feeling the burn like Phil and I are, <laughs> please send them where we get a kick out of it. And, and uh, if we want, we'll post it on the, on the page. And if not, we'll just get an internal laugh for sure. Well, as always, the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email, and I like emails, is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. 
like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. As always, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, your chins up for this global pandemic. And uh, we hope you stay well and safe. And we're thinking about you. Have a great week. (laughs) 